0: night edition of the crash the pond podcast we are back just weeks away hopefully from a anaheim ducks training camp and for tonight's show we've got the full crew on deck we've got cj of course jake and myself so this should be a fun one we're we're gonna we're gonna go over a few
1: topics and hopefully it'll kind of make sense at the end of the day happy fourth night of hanukkah everyone just wanted to throw that out there you know it's fourth well, end of Hanukkah. Hope everyone's had latkes by now. I made some for this, guys. Guys, I, I need to just get this off my chest. This is the first time I've ever actually made latkes myself, damn. and they turned out pretty good. They turned out pretty damn. good, except for you know half of them that turned out really burnt. So I just want to point out that I wished Jake a
0: happy Hanukkah, and he brought wow. the other wow. day. Wow, you're
1: you're throwing this here. I'm just airing. You're my airing
0: grievances. grievances. I am. This is where we wash our dirty laundry on the pod for all the listeners, and Jake just kind of stiff armed me. Didn't really react. Not even a, not even a anything, and now he's touting this happy fourth day of Hanukkah. So shame on you, shame on you. Me trying to extend an olive branch and just getting stiff armed.
1: I'll remember that. Now I gotta look up something in French. I think on Christmas only. But I, I, look I would up have like, just like, fighting. To, Do I have I, to I, hold I think both
2: I, of you like apart to stop fighting? <laughs> I,
0: I would I mean, acknowledge it and just give you like a polite thank you, if nothing else. C- CJ, if you, you want
1: to, just- if CJ, <laughs> if you want to do that on the Twitch stream, you are currently between us and above, so just reach out your arms to the side and grab us. <laughs> all right, there we go. <laughs> There's the video element for tonight, guys. As you can tell, this episode is going to be all over the place. If you saw the tweet about tonight's episode, I think we said this is going to be a mushy episode.
0: Yeah, that that's really selling it for for the people who are debating whether or not to keep listening. I mean, um, some
1: people enjoy this type of humor and this type of uh, entertainment that we provide them, Felix, as I sip my green tea, getting energy. This is true. So, here's
0: the thing. We have a bunch of topics. I have been I have been traveling today. I have been in transit. And so, I don't have everything necessarily in front of me. I'm not I'm not as expertly prepared as I usually am, which I'm sure Jake can attest to that I'm usually expertly prepared. So, I'm gonna kick it over to Jake. Jake, you're gonna throw the topics
1: at us today. You, you're, um, you're just
0: gonna you're gonna do the thing.
1: But before we do that, we've gotten some people in the Twitch chat, kind of uh, really helping out the show. Fat Geralt uh, has subscribed uh, with Twitch oh, wow. Prime. We have Heyo DFlow resubscribed for three months in a row, and we've got Scientific Lance resubscribed. Um, and X 209 resubscribed. We've got Kempafu just resubscribed at 18 months. We've got a hype train going, guys. Um, so we we just had a, a really good uh, good amount of people. Wow. So thank you, everyone. Some of you for a very long time. Like I said, Lewis was 27 months. Kempafu, good friend Tony, 18 months. Um, so thank you to everyone. So, um, oh, Science Cat just resubbed also for three months. I believe that's Jess from our Beer League team. So how's it going, Jess? Um, so... Thank you, everyone. Thanks, That's a guys. really great way to start this episode. You guys, and now that we're gonna us. get into an excellent way. Now we're gonna yeah. get into some fun. So, where do we want to start with this? Well, we got a couple okay. of topics to hit.
0: Let's just start. Let's just start here because I feel like we should just get this out of the way. Um, so, there was an article today at the Athletic where I think they're doing a series where they're dissecting each team, each rebuilding team. Is that correct?
1: And uh, I think they're doing every team. Yeah, I think it's oh, a full every, blown. Because power I, I saw, I saw there was one on the Bruins. The there's one on the Devils recently. There's one on the Wild. There, there's basically the Flames. Every single team in the NHL. Yeah. And basically, the the premise of this, just so everyone knows, is James Myrtle is going to be looking at the cap situation for every single team. Uh, Dom Lachinson's diving into the uh, analytics for each team in these articles. Scott Wheeler and Corey Problem will provide uh, some prospects up. Eric Duhachek. Uh, will provide uh, propose a game plan for those general managers, and at the very end, the local beat writers are providing their thoughts. So basically, Eric Stevens at the end will round or rounds up basically everything that was said uh, in this article from those other people that are more national type of writers trying to loop it into the local. Well, viewers.
0: so just to just to clarify, so this series is basically how the athletic staff would run the Ducks. So it's a it's a future it's kind of an extension of the NHL future power rankings series. And so big shout out to The Athletic, by the way, because a lot of our content is just us reacting to their articles. (laughs) But that's what we got to do in these kind of in this stretch before we get games back, which should be soon from everything that we're hearing. It's going to be be real nice to
1: talk about a game again.
0: I so the other day, actually yesterday was the first night back of the NBA preseason or the second night back of the NBA preseason. And I actually watched preseason basketball because I had not seen my team. The Golden State Warriors play in, you know, however many months—nine months—since the pandemic began. So it was really nice. I was unreasonably excited to watch preseason meaningless basketball, and that is also how I'm going to feel, but to a much higher degree once uh, once we Pick, get hockey back. Picture what it's going to feel like to actually talk about a Ducks game again. Something new, something sounds new, not fake. rehashing. <laughs> it sound it sounds impossible, but it's it's happening. Very excited. Also, I did want to give a a special shout out to Jake. Jake's just in my crosshairs today. What what did I do? (laughs) A special, a special shout out. Um, So actually, Jake uh, tweeted the other day that he got an email from NHL TV saying that his subscription was renewed, and he took that. And it was renewing, I think, for January, something like that. Yeah. And you took that as, hey, this um, so this this could hold on let me finish. So this could mean that the season is starting soon, that this is happening. And I at first was kind of skeptical because I thought, well, mine renewed a couple months ago, so how much can we really read into that? But then later that day, I actually got the same email for January. So Dave huh. vindicated. Rare
1: W. Wow. I thought this was gonna be you said me and your crosshairs after earlier. I thought this no. was no. just gonna be you, hey, you, I'm t- I'm pulling like, the am like on the, the, me. I'm, I'm like the last Jedi.
0: I'm subverting but, expectations.
1: So, with that being said, let's talk about that real quick. So, basically, yeah, like Felix said, the NHL sent an email. NHL TV is going to renew on January 10th. To me, that's a sign the league's going to start. The league's starting. It, yeah, it's it's, coming. Ha- it, it's
0: happening. It's happening. It's happening. Duck if. Um. Okay. Well, let's uh let's jump into this article. So,
1: Jake, why don't you kind of walk CJ and I through it here? So basically, I mean, to start, they go through the cap situation for the Ducks, which, as we all know this season not good a lot of money on the books a lot of money on the books for old players uh that uh the only one that really is going to contribute is Ryan Getzloff Corey Perry has six million on the cap and he's not even on the team uh Ryan Kessler's on IR and they do make note that he's not currently on LTR that is one thing that they can do eventually like we've talked about uh, kind of ad nauseum at this point in time uh but David Backus also on the on uh, the cap sheet for another couple of years so uh, they as they put it in here, the combined weight of Corey Perry's bio, Ryan Kessler on IR, and David Backus is 18 million or more than 22% of their cap space. So, 22% of their cap space is taken up by two guys not on the Ducks or not playing for the Ducks and a guy that is a fourth line center. That's mm-hmm. not great. That's not great for a cap crunch. And now, as we've said. There is the benefit for the Ducks of next summer. It's going to clear up some space. They're going to have a lot more flexibility next summer, which is a good thing. But if you're looking at right now, what they can do to win now, this season, there's a lot of bad money on this roster. And that's a tough situation. And so um, who knows what they do, what they do with Ryan Getzloff next summer also is, is a big play in this, but basically as of right now, it's a tough situation. And and that's what we've kind of said here. And that's reflected in the article. So,
0: uh, CJ, what do you? What's your reaction to that? I have some thoughts, but why don't you jump in here?
2: Yeah, I think that the the big concern here is that the ducks aren't going to be nearly as effective at doing what. Bob Murray wanted to do last season, which was what he called weaponizing the cap space. And yeah, they're going to be able to do some of that wi- uh, by putting Ryan Kessler on long-term IR. But again, remember, Corey Perry's buyout cap hit is jumping to $6 million this year. Again, we do have David Backus. And while I think that, personally, David Backus will be a fairly useful forward, he's not this star guy. He's not going to be a guy that's going to push you to the playoffs by any stretch of the imagination. So... If the Ducks are in a situation come the deadline where they want to try and weaponize cap space, they're really, really Um, it's going to be really difficult for them to do that um, because I think most of us have basically agreed that we're going to be pretty shocked if they make the playoffs this year Um, and that's another reason why having a high cap hit in a situation like the Ducks where they're more than likely not going to be very successful you want to be able to use that cap space to get those assets to accelerate the rebuild they kind of did that a little bit last season which was good but now they have even less space to do that moving forward into this season so it's very much a big concern for them moving forward even if they're not necessarily going to be contenders
0: so my only issue with this line of thinking especially with how Myrtle framed it that they should be looking to unload anyone over 30 and just kind of in general looking to move off of these contracts that are longer out I agree that the Ducks should probably be thinking that way but if you dip your toes into those waters i feel like you have to jump all the way in and if you jump all the way in you're essentially tearing down the grand majority of this roster and sure you will have a lot more flexibility when next offseason rolls around and the season and the off seasons after that but you don't really have any kind of framework to then plug in some big free agent additions into so if you dispatch for example your older blue liners so if not one or more of, you know, Fowler, Lindholm, Manson, what are you really then rebuilding into? There's this whole kind of debate about rebuilds and how if you go totally scorched earth, it's harder to to then climb all the way back because you've, you've really taken it down to the bone. And so maybe keeping some of these guys on board may be beneficial for the longer term. So for example, I wouldn't move off of a Hampus Lindholm uh, even though Yes, he's probably going to decline. He's still good. He's still well, giving you value for that contract.
1: Do you think that that is someone that Myrtle is specifically talking about in this in this I, well, portion so he, of it?
0: He specifically said anyone over thirty. Yes. So, so I don't think he's actually addressing that. But the the kind of the thrust of his argument is that they should be looking to move off of those types of deals. Um, and so, yeah, like for a Henrique, for a Silverberg, I think that that's fair because. You're getting value for those guys now, but that value, like a Lindholm, is probably going to decline to some degree, but it's going to decline and you're stuck with the term. So I think that probably those are the guys you want to target. And with a Cam Fowler, if you want to try to move him, it's going to be really hard to do that. He's got so much term left on his deal. He's got five seasons left uh, after this coming season. And he's got a modified no trade clause, and you're five still. Get- I think
1: it's four or five teams that he'll accept a trade to. Yeah, it's always yeah, four. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a four team
0: trade list, and you're still getting value for that contract. It's not. I don't even know if it's commensurate to the cap hit. You know, he was a good defenseman last year by most metrics, but is it is he worth a six point five? I don't know. So, well, I I guess personally, just to kind of close my thought here, I wouldn't go full scorched earth. I think I would. Try to pick and choose a little bit who I'm moving out because this team, if you do it right, can be competitive sooner rather than later if you can kind of thread that needle.
1: I one thing I do wonder specifically uh, going into into the upcoming seasons with these contracts for guys over 30 is do the Ducks look to move guys that maybe they weren't so dead set on moving because there's chatter that there's going to be a flat cap for seven or eight years that that's when i've been listening to various different podcasts with different people that understand kind of more of the nuance with how the the money flow is going to be coming in and how that is going to skew so heavy towards the players that they're gonna have to pay it back over time is that one of the the downsides to kind of the cba not getting renegotiated is that the cap is probably going to remain flat for longer than it would have in the first place and it could be at 81 and a half million for the entirety of this CBA for all seven years. And so I think one of the things that you hope when you sign a guy to a six, seven year deal is that at the end of the contract, that cap hit is no longer taking up as much space as it was when you first signed the guy because the cap has historically, ever since it came into play, always risen year over year. And by the end of a deal, the cap hit that you had for that guy is no longer near the top of it. I mean, you look at a guy like Ryan Getzloff and, and his cap hit. When he signed that deal, that was one of the top cap hits in the league. Whereas now, that's what? Four or five million, four million or so less than the top cap hits? Maybe a little bit. Maybe I'm a little bit. Maybe three million. But still, that that's it's, kind it's of the point. Yeah. And, and now that that's no longer going to be the case, I wonder if... That plays a part, and maybe the Ducks do look at moving a guy like Cam Fowler. Maybe that plays a part, and maybe a guy that's going to be a UFA, you're more likely to move because you don't think you're going to be able to afford him because of the flat cap situation. A guy like Josh Manson guy like maybe even Hampus Lindholm was going to be coming up on his contract pretty soon a guy like ricard raquel also going to be coming up so there's a lot of tough decisions coming up for these guys in the the 25 to, to 30 range and these are guys that we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast and part of that is this situation it's just kind of been accelerated now with the flat cap situation coming up with these guys potentially needing new contracts and whether you want to burn bad money in them for that, that will stay at its level of cap or percentage of cap for possibly the entirety of the contract. And, and that's something that they're really going to need to factor in in a way that they may not have in the past because I think you, to tie you, in, re- go ahead.
2: Yeah. Sorry. I, I think just to like kind of to tie into both of your points here where, Specifically for Felix, I completely agree with Felix. Like there is a way for the Ducks to get back into contention without completely setting fire to the entire team. There absolutely is, and and James Myrtle in his section, he goes a little bit more scorched earth than I think we're thinking that they do. But um, I, I I would agree that there is a way, there are certain contracts on here who could get the ducks some decent assets who would free up some money and would allow them to be a little bit more flexible. And yeah, that. but that goes against Bob Murray's plan to so-and-so be competitive. Um, but the problem that we have right now is that at the current moment, Bob Murray doesn't seem to have picked a specific path to get them back into realistic contention. Him saying that they're gonna get back into contention right now, is, look, that's just not realistic, and the chances of that happening are, are slim to none, right? But there is a way, as Jake said, to move out some of these contracts, and we can hope that maybe, look, plans change very quickly in this league. And there are these guys like Cam Fowler, like Campus Lindholm, who you can make these decisions on, and actually have a path forward. And and so far, I think what we've seen over the past couple of seasons is that that plan, especially with uh, upper management, with the Samuelis and with Bob Murray, really tends to not take shape until closer to the trade deadline. We rarely see these, you know, these type of franchise direction type of moves. Um in the off season, right? Historically where a lot of these moves come is at the trade deadline. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they perform moving forward and head towards that trade deadline, just because there doesn't seem to be a realistic plan in place. But again, things could very much change depending on how big of a step that the kids take this season, which I think is going to be one of the most important things to deciding the direction of this team.
0: Yeah. And just to put a bow on this before we move on to the next component of this article. I just want to note that the ducks are going to have some big decisions in the summer of 2022. If they don't make those decisions ahead of time, that summer Linholm, Manson and, um, and Raquel all come off the books. And so what do you do? (laughs) What do you do for all three of those guys? Because I think for all three, they present their own challenges, but at this, the thread between all three is that they're, going to be entering their late peak, if not beginning the decline at that point. And are you, how much are you willing to buy into the rest of those years that they're going to have to offer where they're still somewhat useful? So yeah, this is, this
1: is a a jigsaw puzzle
0: here and there's not, there's not a clear cut solution.
1: We should make it clear that all of those three guys are going to be UFA also. If anyone was even thinking that they might still be RFAs, they're not, they're going to be unrestricted free agents at that point in time.
0: I would say this just as a as a quick hot take it's actually not a hot take at all the only guy I think I would re-sign of those three at that point would be Lindholm and and yeah that, maybe, that's a freezing that's a freezing cold take yeah well maybe, <laughs> well I think a lot of people would would bring back Raquel I think a lot yeah, of people yeah that's fair that's fair yeah, and I think even you would bring back Raquel. Yeah, depending. I would. You're right, and especially with yeah.
2: Drysdale coming up, you know, this team definitely needs some wingers. Like we're, you know, dearth and centers going on right now. So if you're gonna prioritize one area over the others, and we've talked about this before. I think all three of us tend to agree that offense is the slightly more pressing need at this point.
0: And and with Manson, it's it's really hard to say what he's going to be able to get because he doesn't really put up points. He has one year he put up some points, but he hasn't since, and I don't see a path where he's really going to do that again. He doesn't get the kind of power play time to do that. So maybe if you could potentially bring him back at a cheaper price, but anyway, someone's we'll, going to pay him stupid money. Future yeah. podcasts will we'll be able to discuss that. Jay, keep, what's the next in, topic? Just the keep nec- in mind next... really
2: quick, sorry, just uh-huh. I wanted it. to keep one one last very quick point. Remember, next summer is the expansion draft. This isn't a two three season thing away of anymore. This is coming right on our doorstep.
1: Hmm. Hmm. And go back and listen to our episode a couple weeks back if you want deep dive into yeah, the expansion draft. That was excruciating. Um, yeah, Felix loved that. <laughs> um, so th- the next thing is the is analytics. So Dom in, uh really dove into analytics. He's kind of the the go to guy at the Athletic. He actually came up with his uh, own GSVA model, which basically uses game score. He he created kind of that concept in the NHL and uh, creates kind of basically what type of value some guy adds to roster and basically so for him a stanley cup uh checklist is basically came up with some research different things like that and basically laid out that you need some kind of elite players on your roster you want to have like an elite one center elite first line winger elite defenseman different things like that and kind of projecting out for the next three seasons what players you have in those positions so not shocking no elite winger no elite defenseman for the ducks and also, no, there is no elite 1C Derek Grant on this list either, guys. Blast so the, the only player that is elite on the Ducks and will be for the next three years is John Gibson. That is it. And do you take any issue with that?
0: Not really. I, I think that – so can we get into the rest of it? Or I guess just well, to answer your question, just just bare minimum – no, I, d- I don't think that that's wrong because I think and yes, Gibson's the only guy who's really elite at his position.
1: Yeah, and so kind of as we move through through the list, there's also other categories. So he goes through whether you have a top-line center, not just elite, but also top-line, top-line winger, uh, number one defenseman instead of just elite first-line defenseman. So And then he also has top six forwards, top-pairing defenseman. So running through this, number one defenseman, the only player that is considered that for the Ducks in or top line, anything, is Kevin Shattenkirk, which caught me off guard a bit, but I think if you look at the stat that he's utilizing, which is game score value adjusted, I believe is what GSVA stands for. Um, yeah. Kevin Shattenkirk put up a lot of points last year on a very good Tampa Bay team, and game score really does factor in points significantly into it. So it's not that shocking to me that Kevin Shaddenkirk is probably the only one that would kind of fall into this mold. I don't know if I would necessarily say that he's the number one defenseman on this Ducks team. I, I don't know if you guys disagree with that necessarily or agree I, with that.
0: Can I just come out and say it or go CJ, for it. Do, do you have a do you have a take for us?
2: I uh, let me put it this way. I think he's got a shot to be the number one defenseman, but I wouldn't necessarily give him the award yet.
0: Here's my question: Who who did Hampus Lindholm piss off, or who did he wrong, to, so, to be to, to be taken out of this consideration? So, so, so he, I actually he,
2: wanna, um, I actually wanna like address that really quick. Um, Dom's model, by his own admission. Um, uh, waits the last three seasons, and it waits the recent season, the previous season, higher than normal. So there is, he admits, uh, some uh, recency bias in there. And the Hampus Lindholm did not have a particularly good season last year. He didn't have a bad season by any stretch of the imagination, um, but he didn't have his normal kind of elite shutdown defensive seasons that we've seen in the past. So he dropped off a bit. I would oh. kind of think that's a little bit flawed for me personally, but that's why.
1: I think a flaw with game scores, and this has been my big issue with game score on the whole, I think it's a cool stat to to go game by game to look at impact on a game. Yeah. But overall, if you're trying to analyze a player through game score, I feel like it falls a little bit short because it factors in points and goals and things like that yep. too much as compared to looking at on ice uh, factors instead. And so I think that's where this is falling short and why Kevin Shattenkirk is probably considered a number one defenseman per game score because he put up points in Tampa Bay. He put up shots. He put up things that game score does value. Whereas Hampus Lindholm doesn't necessarily do those. And so that's why if you look at Lindholm, so running through real quick, the the rest of the list, there's top six forwards, the the top six forwards for the ducks in year one and year two are Adam Henrique and Ricard Raquel. And then in year three, it's Adam Henrique and Jacob Silverberg because of Ricard Raquel uh, being uh, unsigned for that third season, and they are all considered average on this list. Top pairing defenseman, um Cam Fowler is considered a top pair defenseman by uh, GSVA for all three seasons, with the final two being a low end, and Hampus Lindholm, a low end top four defenseman. Yeah,
2: I don't know if I necessarily agree with
0: that.
1: Yeah, that, and so that's, I, that's crazy talk. I think GSVA is good to evaluate forwards. I think it lacks um, the ability to evaluate defensemen though.
0: Yeah. And like, of course, all due respect to, to Dom and to people making these models, because there's a lot of work that, that goes into it. And this isn't, I, I think that there are, there are, you know, people like Dom are totally willing to be open about the potential drawbacks or limitations of what they're putting together. And I feel like with, Something like this, it does. I would just argue, and I haven't done maybe the necessary research to be a one hundred percent on a claim like this, but I do think it does underrate someone like a Hampus Lindholm, who doesn't really stand out from a production perspective, but stands out more from an on-ice perspective, where he's he's the type of, of defenseman who's going to drive shot rates, uh, for and against and he's going to make you better in that sense. He's not really going to have a ton of individual offense. He's not a huge power play contributor. But if we look, for example, at goals above replacement, Hampus Lindholm was still, was still good last season, if not very good, um, both individually, on ice, special teams. He was used in brutal matchups. So I still think that from just my own view of what makes a great defenseman, the type of defenseman that I would lean on, night in and night out Hampus Lindholm is still that guy for me now it's it's not to take anything away from Cam Fowler but I think that there's enough evidence when you look at other models to say that Hampus Lindholm belongs in that tier as well and I think that it makes sense and sorry just to Mm -hmm. quickly finish I would Mm -hmm. just say that Fowler I understand why he's in that tier for this model because it does rate individual contributions more point production and Fowler does have that on Lindholm no question
2: so, let's, uh, this is a fun little thing here. I pulled up on Evolving Hockey, the goals above replacement uh, leaderboard for last season among Ducks defensemen. Um, you will want to take a. I okay, let's put it this way. I think we can all guess who was the number one Ducks defenseman based on Gar. Who do you think? Fowler. Yep, so that one's easy. Um, where does, where do you think Lindholm ranks? Fourth. You have this up, don't you?
1: No, I actually don't. I swear. He's fourth. I do, no, he fourth. I swear I don't.
2: He was fourth with 1.2 goals above replacements. So, you know, not nothing otherworldly, but still pretty solid, pretty responsible. Guess who the two above him were?
1: Michael Delzato. He's yes. second with 2.4. And Eric Branson.
2: Ooh, Manson. no, I don't think you're going to get this.
1: Juice? Uh, Yep. Juice oh, Christian sample Juice size. Sample on- no, size. Sample size. No, hold on. it's it's actually in, not. No, it's not. It's, it's, a, cumulative. it's a
2: cumulative stat.
1: Oh. Jake he, just exposed. Christian
2: Juice put up 1.6 goals above replacement good for third on the team for the entire season in 9 games. Like again, I don't I wouldn't expect him to keep up that pace, but Christian Juice had a really good 9 game run for the Ducks after he was traded.
0: Yeah, I I'm on wait. I'm I'm wait and see on Christian juice, but I am cautiously. Yeah. And I mean, cautiously optimistic.
1: optimistic. Yeah. But um, circ circling back to this, basically the, the, the purpose of this though, I think even though we can kind of get into the weeds on our arguments about where he, what he's classifying as number one defenseman, top pair defenseman, top four defenseman. I, I think what this list highlights, the ducks only position that's elite is goaltender. I could argue that they don't have a number one defenseman on this roster or a top-line winger or top-line center, and I think that's fairly accurate. I, I think maybe you could argue that Hampus Lindholm or Camp Fowler are a number one defenseman, but it's it would be lower end or fringe uh, for them can, to be considered a number can I just, one defenseman. Can I
0: just add another thing? On, on? I'm just like standing up for Lindholm now. Go for so it. So Lindholm, all of his play-driving numbers were still good. Now, if you look at goals four per 60 when you look at the RAPM charts he was definitely below average but I'm and I know it isolates for individual performance but the Ducks just weren't a good team and they didn't have many good scores. and I think that when he was on the ice there just wasn't a lot of offense and uh, finishing going on and I do think that that takes away from his overall numbers yeah. and so I still think he's a very good top pairing play driving defenseman. He might not be elite. Maybe maybe I'm a little wrong about that. But I think if you, do you average think he's number one still a number one D man in the league. I think he's solidly a top pairing defenseman. So I'm gonna, but, I'm gonna hit yeah, no I'm, gonna, I
1: agree. He, I'm, I'm, he, I'm putting you on the spot. Not, number one D
0: man. I don't think he's a number one defenseman okay. because I think to be a number one defenseman you have to do more than what yep. he does because that that threshold should be really high. But I think that for for Lindholm mm-hmm. If you look at the totality, not just the totality of his career, but even just the last three years, he's still way up there in terms of play driving. And I don't know. I'm just still high on him. So anyway.
1: I, I think circling back, I think we all, <laughs> hopefully CJ, let me know if you disagree with this. The Ducks don't have a number one defenseman then. They don't have a top line winger. Yeah, don't right. have a, they don't That's have a fine. top line center, which also means they, they're not elite. They have basic, they, they have a couple top, they have some top six forwards and they have some top pairing, top four D-man. But this highlights the issue with the roster that there's nobody at that upper end that is going to be, have the game-breaking talent on the back end or for the forward position. And I think that the only position that is covered is goaltending, and the issue with goaltending is John Gibson can uh, save goals. He's not going to go out there and score them for you, though. And so that's the issue for this team is scoring goals, and it was last year. It will still be this year, and that's kind of what this is putting into focus.
2: Jake, I think you highlight, I I, I think all these arguments have basically highlighted the Ducks' possible uh, path back to the playoffs. Really, it's going to come down to goaltending. Like, there's several different things, obviously, and we've talked about the mad nauseum, right? Like, the the, the kids are going to have to take a step forward. The current established people are going to have to perform at their career highs or better. But the number one thing that is going to have to happen in order for the Ducks to even sniff the playoffs is a John Gibson elite season. Like a truly elite season. He's going to have to steal multiple games without John Gibson having an elite season, even if the kids take a step forward, even if you have these uh you know veterans performing like very well like they have in the past, that's still probably not going to get you to the playoffs. You have to have John Gibson pull out an amazing season.
0: So yeah, I and I I slightly disagree with that, but I don't know how much time we want to spend here. We want to move on? Well,
1: I, the real quick thing that I, I was going to add to what C J said is the other thing on top of John Gibson is I I think the one thing if we're trying to be optimistic and, and go against what it's saying here is that while no, the Ducks aren't elite in any position outside of goaltending, I think their top their their defensive core top to bottom is good to great and uh, and I think that that is something that is going to be a very good thing for this team for this season and so I think the bigger issue this year is the forward group. I think the defense, they, there's a good enough group there that even though they're not elite, I think every pairing has someone that's going to be good enough for them and will help out significantly. And I think that we're not having a Corbinian, Holzer, Jacob Larson pairing rolling out there every game is also going to help out this team a lot. So I think if, we're, if we want to focus on path to playoffs, I think it's going to be both goaltending and the the defensive core.
0: So the thing I just wanted to say with Gibson is I think that the thing that has to happen is he just has to be he just has to be average to above average. He doesn't have to be necessarily elite, but I think he has to at least be better than his expected, just slightly better than expected. I think what needs to happen is this team needs to just not be terrible defensively. Because if they're terrible defensively, you're putting you're asking too much of John Gibson already. It's just you can't do that for a fourth
1: year in a row. So anyway, Yeah. Okay. Upward and onward. Next part is prospect pipeline. So this is what. Yeah. This is gonna be. This is gonna be interesting because. (laughs) How much time do you have? How much time do we have here? How many podcasts have we done on this? So than I can count. Basically, this is uh, Scott Wheeler dives in and basically I think does a pretty good job of summarizing the Ducks prospect system. Basically, saying it's a nice blend of players who are both knocking on the door and who are still two or three years away. Um, the real issue that the Ducks had had was they didn't have that that top end talent. It was a lot of B level talent. And the good thing for the Ducks is that as guys are going to graduate, like a Max Comtois or Josh Mahura, you're also going to have guys that will come in and fill in those spots. And so there's not going to be a rush for them to to make it to the NHL. Guy like a Henry Thrun or Sam Colangelo, they're going to be able to to take their time and, and really kind of develop as much as they need to be these kind of more B level types of prospects. The thing for the Ducks is that they've started to add a little bit of star power and that's really been helpful for them and we've talked about this at length but they've added Trevor's egress obviously they've added Jamie Drysdale and one of the things that I think a lot of people are taking issue with I guess maybe with with Scott Wheeler's uh determination is that he uh, says that Drysdale with Drysdale they might have a right-handed number two defenseman for the top pairing and I think some people will say well they took took him uh so high why is he not he should be number one all these different things this is scott wheeler's determination and i think we we saw this from a lot of different people that even though drysdale was a really good player it's not necessarily that he's going to be a top pairing defenseman right i I think that we all we all read those same types of reports right
2: yeah i think that the top pairing defenseman is his ceiling not necessarily what is projected of him um i keep in mind when you're projecting prospects the by and large almost all prospect evaluators are going to be conservative in their estimates and for good reason i feel um but again jamie drysdale isn't necessarily like he wasn't as hyped or had the type of results that like Rasmus Dahlin had when he was selected first overall, right? Dahlin has shown that, look, he's probably going to be an elite defenseman. He might already be an elite defenseman. Um, Drysdale, while very, very good, again, projects as a number two. And I definitely agree with that. However, Mm -hmm. keep in mind that there is a chance and that it is within the realm of possibility for him to exceed that projection and become a number one defenseman. I think it's just, it's too early to it, make that this
1: determination is, this is this is someone who's watched the game watched guys develop and based upon his determination of with through scouting of what he expects a player is going to be that doesn't necessarily mean it's locked in that that's what he's going to be that's what he's seeing and
0: so you what do we what do we define as a number one defenseman because we just kind of talked about this but just to to just start this off that's i would say i i would say a number one defenseman has to be has to give you really solid to elite play driving and has to contribute offensively and I think Jamie Drysdale can do all of those things can being the operative word though doesn't mean that that's the likeliest outcome but I think he could be a number one defenseman it's just it's going to yeah. take a lot for him to get all the way there
1: uh-huh. yeah I agree with that um so kind of really kind of going through the, re- the rest of kind of what Scott Wheeler saying kind of basically at the end of it all he thinks that the Ducks prospect system is solid to very good um, mainly due to the fact of the fact that this team is a little bit in the reset in a reset mode. Um, but they don't have the talent right now to pull themselves out of this reset well, that they yeah. need to add more to it. And that's the key thing here And that if kind of circling back to what the premise of this article is, which is how would you rebuild? How would you do uh, run the team for the next three years? Scott Wheeler's advice, which take it or leave it is he says, don't get ahead of yourself. Keep adding prospects and picks to the system. And yeah. I think that that's a very, very good idea. And we've talked about it on this podcast a bunch that this team, this system is good. They could give, have a better system though for, for where they're at. They probably should have a better system to be honest. Well,
0: the the issue is that the ducks can't get complacent because they had a good 2020 draft the, this 2020, yes. I, I think 2019, the 2019 crop and the 2020 crop are the beginning to me of what will be the next wave of kind of difference Mm -hmm. makers. I think that with all due respect to guys like Contois, Terry, Steele, Jones, the guys that we've really dissected over and over the last few years, but those just don't project as as star players, at least not right now. Maybe one or more of them do become stars, but in the last two years we have seen potential stars be brought into the system which is not something that we have seen. I mean, I count the number of years since before that. And so the problem is none of the stars that they've drafted in the last two years are stars that you can really build your schedule around. So for example, look at the New Jersey Devils, who are right now in in the thick of a rebuild. They can at least tell themselves, let's build, let's kind of project our rebuild, our schedule, quote unquote, around jack hughes around nico Hischier, uh potentially around alexander holtz the ducks aren't really you know even though zegras and drysdale and i would add jacob perot into that mix all project as quality nhl players they're not the kind of guys i think quite yet that you can just say this is the guy that we're going to build everything around and i do think that it's hard to be a rebuilding team if you don't have one of those guys and then the other issue is that to get one of those guys you have to be a bad team, which the Ducks don't want to be, don't intend to be, and so that's that's kind of the predicament that we're all finding ourselves in here talking about this. Yep. And, sorry. Uh, sorry to be sorry to be maybe doom and gloom, but that's that's no. the reality of this prospect system. He, here's the yeah. thing
2: that I feel like I just I want to hammer home this point because some people understand this, some people don't. Realistically. Uh, the salary cap and the draft system that we have, in not just in the NHL, but really in, in most North American sports, has kind of forced this strategy to be the most effective strategy. Like, bottoming out, you don't necessarily have to necessarily bottom out and get multiple number one picks but you kind of have to be bad for a few years to restock your cabinet and to go out and to become uh, an effective team again i think that the only team really over the past what since the salary cap Um, was instituted, who didn't do that at one point, was Boston. Um, And I think they're the exception, not the rule. So you have to work within the system. You can't just take these guys and wait for them to develop and not, you know, bottom out, but then still try to, like, restop with high-end prospects. The system is not built to work that way. And so you can make an argument and that's a whole nother conversation to talk about different um, drafting scenarios and uh, getting rid of the salary cap, which I'm a fan of. You know, th- That's a whole nother conversation. But the system that they have right now, realistically, what we are talking about being bad in order to restock uh, your talent and selling off good assets, that's just the fact of life of how teams get good nowadays.
0: Yes, and I do think that for the Ducks system, it's a good system, and there's a lot of guys who in there who could become good NHL players, and it would be a great system. It, it would be worth even more if the Ducks had this kind of ready made roster to plug those guys into. But the roster that they currently have is more on the tail end of its competitive window. And so you don't, and that makes it tougher to just plug in a guy like Terry or a Zgress and hope that they're going to provide you that spark because they're still going to need some development. They're not just plug in and play guys. I mean, Troy Terry, it took him a while to even get to where we saw him last season to where he was, I would say, a good kind of depth player. So it's tough, but I think if you're a fan of prospects, if you're a fan of the Ducks, there's there's definitely plenty of reason to be optimistic about the prospects. It's just more how they fit into the bigger picture that there may be some room for,
1: for skepticism, I guess. Mm-hmm yeah and one thing i want to make note of that i found interesting from what scott Wheeler said is uh jacob perot potentially a guy that is uh could become an impact player which is more so than he basically says about anyone outside of drysdale and zgrass so yeah that kind of shows you how people feel about jacob perot and what the ducks got with their late first round
0: pick. well perot could be a star so <laughs>
1: yeah Exactly. So he was, he was a steal at twenty-seven. Do you want to go into the fi- the final portion from the National Writers, going from Eric Duhachek? Uh, sure. Let's do it. Okay.
0: As in, I read it. Yes. <laughs> I- I'm giving you this one. Okay. Well, I haven't actually read this article all the way oh, through. well,
1: fine, fine, so, fine. So wh- why don't why don't you do it? I'll just keep going then. So, basically, Eric Duhachek was was kind of looking at this from a global perspective, what the Ducks should be doing, where they're going to be going. Um, and, and so, basically, he, he brings up a good point that the Ducks do understand the value of draft picks and do a pretty good job of letting guys kind of build up their confidence, nurture them, play in the AHL if they need it, um, get them in the NHL if that, that's needed. And basically, that if Trevor Zegras makes a leapfrog, this could basically be be a jumpstart for this ducks franchise but at the end of the day the ducks basically it feels like they're about to embark on another as he puts it spinning your wheels in place kind of season and brings up the point this could be costly for dallas akins which i mean we actually just got a twitch uh, question in the twitch chat from ginger wolf saying um basically why does ekins get so much flack for having a bad season last year if there are all these issues with the rosters that have gone over. And and so um that kind of is echoed by Eric Duhachik basically saying that this could prove costly for Dallas Akins Um due to the fact of having all these young pros having the roster that he has. And basically Eric Duhachik ends basically saying a lot of things have to go right for the Ducks to basically make the playoffs here and it's not likely that happens.
0: Why are we stopping at Dallas Akins? <laughs> I I I I don't think he should be the fall guy in all of this. <laughs> yeah, no, no and and, I, that,
1: and 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 that's the yeah. point is that uh, Ginger Wolf brings up why is why is Akins getting getting the flack yeah. right now when well, when it well, seems the, like the, it's a roster issue and and yeah. it seems like Duhachik's even bring that up saying it could prove costly for Akins and it's not necessarily his fault.
0: I just think that even if you're not, you know, the the, the Samuelis are clearly very smart people. They're very successful. And even though they might not be experts on the sport itself, anyone with any degree of analytical ability would look at the situation and say, yeah, this isn't on Dallas Akins." If the Ducks aren't any good next season, yeah, that doesn't speak well to Dallas Akins. If he can't get more out of this group than we might expect, then yeah, that is, you can't just write that off. But at the same time, who's the one that's setting him up for this? Who's the one that's, that's giving him the hand to work with who's the one who's had the opportunity now to have three coaches who's the one who's kind of dug the team into this hole it's not Dallas Akins, unless maybe I'm missing something here so agreed I, I think if the Ducks are really bad this season which is a possibility it's not necessarily the likeliest outcome but if they are really bad It has to be the last season that Bob Murray is the general manager of this team. And yeah, even if that means that there's going to be some uh, flux in the summer with the expansion draft and having to deal with all of that, it doesn't matter. You have to turn the page at some point, getting a fresh approach in there, getting getting a new set of eyes without the loyalty to past players who made this team as good as it was previously. I think that that's really important. And look, if the Ducks, if the Ducks have this, Big improvement next season, or even a moderate improvement, and there's all these underlying metrics that show that their their overall play has has gotten better. That the prospects play well. That that some of the veterans have bounced back seasons. Then I don't think you can justify firing Murray at this point. You know, there's still all of those things are still possible. So I'm not saying that this is what has to happen. But if things cl- just if if the bets that he's making don't pan out, which and he's making a lot of. There's so many. Layers of bets on this season, right? Gibson has to play well. The veterans have to play well. The kids have to play well. If all those things just fall flat, then I think at that point you have to, you have to take the controller away from Bob Murray. And that's, I mean, does anyone here disagree with that or want to comment on that? I think the big, I think the thing that to
2: summarize it is if the ducks are bad again this year or worse, Yeah, Eakins probably deserves some of that blame, but I think he's a couple of bullet points down the list of who should be taking the lion's share of the blame. And I think most of us are tending to agree that at this point, this is Bob Murray's team. This is his decisions. We're starting to see the fruit of decisions he made two, three, four years ago, right? Um, sometimes even longer mm-hmm. than that. Mm-hmm. This is where the rubber meets yep. the road for Bob Murray, and while Dallas Akins could share in some of that blame if the season pans out the way I think a lot of us are expecting, realistically, there's no more. Um, I think I don't think there's any more excuses for Bob Murray to hide behind if it goes that way.
1: Yeah, a little, little bit of robot CJ, but we're we're all good. We're, we got you back. We got you back.
0: Yeah, and well, and I just wanted to you. add on on Murray is that. This isn't uh, this isn't us or me just bashing Bob Murray. This is just the reality of the NHL with general managers. When you've had multiple coaches, when you've had multiple disappointments, multiple playoff failures, multiple missed playoff seasons that at some point, you know, at some point that those checks are going to come due. And that is where Bob Murray is trending. Now, again, there's a total there's totally a possibility that things could could go much better next season. But we have to see. We the, the, this yeah. see, this season is going to be fascinating because it's a total unknown for me. I well I, anything could happen, and it wouldn't it wouldn't really shock me.
1: So, kind of the the final piece of the this article is the reality check, which is Eric Stevens look yes. at this roster, <laughs> and, and this is the and and what he made of kind of everything above, and basically he even said he's like, I want to be able to be an optimist and one that would vary from the doom and gloom above, but it's pretty much exactly kind of what they said he basically is like they're not a good team and and he brings up the point though that gibson could come back and have an absolutely stellar year the ducks could come out of the gates and he mentioned that with this being a shortened season the way that you start is so important with how you uh with playoff situation and he said back in 2013 the ducks took advantage of that by coming out of the gates hot and winning the pacific division i think the difference between this year and then is The Ducks had a prime Getzloff and Perry then. The Ducks had a prime Getzloff and Perry then, I believe. Uh, Actually, no. I was going to say I think they had Luby-Versnovsky, but I don't believe they did anymore at that point in time. But still, they they had prime Getzloff and Perry. They had solid goaltending. So it was a little bit of a different situation at that point in time. And this is the big point, and this is something we should spend a little bit of time on here. It was reported this week by Pierre Lebrun that it's – potentially not going to be what we thought it was going to be for the division. Um, We, we originally thought that it was going to be the ducks, the sharks, the Kings, um, the coyotes, the golden Knights, Dallas, uh, Colorado. And then the eighth team would be Minnesota. And so Minnesota is a bit of a wild card there and potentially with how they were going to end up. But Pierre LeBron reported this week that it may not be Minnesota, that it may be St. Louis. If it's St. Louis, it's a pretty clearly defined top four in the division of St. Louis, Dallas, Vegas, Colorado. And it's not likely anyone from outside of that ends up making the playoffs if it is those four teams, uh, if the, the Blues are in the division over the Wild. And that's kind of where, where I'm looking at this from now. Granted, it's a it's a short season. You come out hot. You can basically go against kind of the numbers. You can outperform what your expected results are with with a hot goalie with different things like that. But with that being the division, it would be really, really tough to make it.
0: It would be, but I think it would be tough either way.
1: Yeah, Minnesota is still a good team. I think yeah. we should we should hit on that. They yeah. they're a team that is adding adding in some really good talent. Such as such as such as such as Marco Rossi. Ah. There you me. go. <laughs> they, huh. There you go. Um, and, and they Felix had some really good numbers at the end of last year. And so, and Kaprazov. And, and so, yeah, it's not as if they would be a cakewalk either. So, it would be really tough for the Ducks to be able to to make it. And if they did, this will be a divisional playoffs. So, if the Ducks yeah. snuck in, they would get Colorado or Vegas in the first round. And so, one of the things that is brought up, <laughs> and one of the things that I've thought about it, or thought about with this, or we've talked about or whatever, is that this is a season where most likely you're not going to be able to have fans in the stadium at all. Mm-hmm. Yes. The downside to any sort of tank is that you could lose revenue because people aren't in the stands. Oh, I've heard this. Yeah. If you can't have people in the stands, why are you committing to winning? This is the year out of all years (laughs) to commit to not making the playoffs that you can do that. And I mean, even Eric Stevens does bring up that this is, or not brings this up. It brings up that typically you don't want to lose in Southern California because it puts you into irrelevance. And So the Ducks have wanted to avoid that mainly for that reason. But I would argue that with no fans in the stadium, this is basically kind of the perfect moment. And he brings up basically kind of the end of it all is basically with this being a 56-game season, 10 games in, you should start making your, your decisions on where you are. And if you are that far out 10 games in, you should start looking at what you should do, Who? what are guys you should sell, maybe different things like that, and try to get yourself into the big picture. If maybe you're in the mix, maybe you keep pushing, maybe you keep doing that because there's a chance, I'd still argue it's not worth it this season. This is the season to to bite the bullet. And Apparition asks us, uh, aren't there rules against obvious tanking? So there, are, you can't obviously say you're coming out and tanking, but you can move guys for picks. You can... Uh, put together a weaker roster there are ways to do i mean look at what buffalo did years ago so
0: when we say this is a season to 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 tank we don't mean the team should actively try to lose the on ice that the players the coaches it's management moving out some guys who make you better now for assets that are going to make you in the future it's not as much about the guys that are playing we're not saying they're going to throw games that that's not what we mean
2: Remember, management takes not tanks, not
0: players. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I, I I did just want to say though that the tough thing is that if the ducks are are three and seven after ten games or two and eight or whatever, what does what do you think is the likeliest thing that Bob Murray does? You could name one thing, multiple I have things. No idea. That's I have the thing. No is what is it going to take to convince <sighs> this guy that it's time to pull the plug? What is it going to do take? Do you
1: think? Do you think the samuelis pulled the plug?
0: Well, that's the thing. If I was if I was sitting in the chair of the Samuelis their 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 combined love seat or or whatever, and I see that the team is off to a horrible start, that's it. Like th- that's it. You can't you can't trust Bob Murray at that point to do what is the right thing, and that's true because he's he hasn't done it in the past with previous opportunities. Right. And I understand that there's been the injury excuse in the past, but enough is enough at that point. So, yeah, I that's what they should do. Do I think that's what they'll do? I think wouldn't bet on it.
2: I think something that's very important to remember is that I've seen some people claim the whole money issue. And yeah, the Ducks aren't necessarily they're not the Toronto Maple Leafs, they're not even the Kings who are owned by AEG. Right. But here's the thing, and I think a lot of people don't really know about this. Henry Samueli's net worth has increased by 50% over the last three years. Three years ago, he was estimated to be worth about, I think it was like $3.7 billion or something like that. Um, his net worth now is f- estimated to be at $5.8 billion, which, and I need to do some research on this. I believe that would actually make him one of the richest individual owners in the NHL. Um, so individual person, not necessarily but, like company. But
0: small market team small market team but
2: small market team that's the thing is that th- this th- the ducks can survive a they the anyway two, two yeah. years of 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 tanking of decreased fan engagement like yeah you do and eric stevens brought up this point just, in that article just, just release just you're release in jerseys the, <laughs> exactly you're in the la market Right. So, yeah. realistically, like you'll be irrelevant against the Lakers, the Dodgers, um, even the Angels, you know, are, are have more of a, of a fan base and more eyes on them than the Ducks. do. Oh. you know, y- you are fighting with that. But that being said, again, he is rich as hell. Like, A-F. come on, he's gotten richer in the past. It's up to him to be able to do this. They can withstand this money is not a legitimate excuse here to not tank.
0: Yeah. And like the Ducks right now, you, did you guys see the Forbes list? They're what? 20th, right? They're 23rd, they're they're, they're 23rd and their net operating income is like minus is negative 9.1 million or something like that. So they're not really making money as is just on the franchise alone and and the revenue. So you might as well just eat that. And, And of course, who am I to say, how someone should spend their own money. I, I get that this is uh, easier for me to say than someone who, even though they have billions of dollars, they they probably don't want to lose money. They didn't make sure. all their money by losing it. But we have some understanding of how this specific this specific ecosystem works, and some short term pain, if executed properly, can lead to long term gain and and and, and what, overwhelming. What's the pain? Gain. This.
1: What's the pain this season? And the thing what, is that, that re, there's,
0: re, re, there's already and the thing just to close out is there's there's already yeah, pain. Yeah. they're already struggling as it is,
1: but realistically, what's the difference this season? Typically, if you you don't want to tank because it, it can affect fan well, the, base and or, or, or it can affect attendance, affect various different things like that, which which. <laughs> Revenue is a ticket revenue is a very big thing for the Ducks. That's not happening this year. How how and, funny and... How,
0: how funny would it be if once the divisions get announced and let's say St. Louis is confirmed, the Ducks just trade Manson and trade Raquel? Like, yeah, yeah, we're we're out on this division. Like this is not going to work for us. <laughs> Rebuild yeah. time. That yeah. would, well, that keep would in mind. Good.
2: So keep in mind, Jake. There is still TV ratings, right? the The Ducks have an agreement. There's still Sports revenue streams. In true. Order to do that. True. And if they have. There's still revenue streams, and also, like, let's be realistic here, if they suck, the merch goes down. Now, maybe this whole reverse retro thing came out at a really good time to keep their merch sales so up, good. even if they so um, aren't necessarily going to be great, and that they were going to take a hit. So maybe that's also part of the thing to release some of the retro stuff. So there's definitely things there. However, I would agree with you at the same time that because gate revenue is such a big deal and such a huge chunk of change for these NHL clubs. If you are going to tank and have it the biggest effect on that be attendance, then you're right. This year is probably that year to do it.
0: It is. It's the only, it's the only year where gate revenue is not, I mean, hopefully (laughs) knock on wood. It's the only year where, or gate revenue is not going to be in, in consideration. So yeah, I think that to kind of wrap this all up, I think we're all team tank. I still have some degree of optimism that this thing can turn around without having to go full scorched earth. I would even argue that maybe you shouldn't go all the way down. But generally, my thought is that you should be thinking long term at this point. Because what are the Ducks really chasing right now? Like, what are all these moves mapping to get in and, and hope that you can get to the third round? Right, I mean, uh, to me, my overall, my overarching philosophy is that you should be thinking, okay, we need to A, have a chance to get in, and B, once we are in, go all the way through. And if you look at this Ducks team, it's hard to imagine them, even if they get in and they're playing well, being a team that goes all the way to the Stanley Cup Final and, and can even win it. People might point to Dallas and say, oh, look at the Dallas Stars. No one saw them going all the way uh, to the Cup Final. But the Dallas Stars have they have stars who are in their prime or in their late prime, and they have younger stars at on the blue line. So they're not they are not at all in, in this on the same wavelength as the Ducks in that regard. They're not just and, a get and, in and hope good things happen type team.
1: And, and and one thing I want to mention because apparition brings it up, and I think it's a good thing to point is that uh, basically for people that would say, well. Uh, losing doesn't necessarily guarantee you a first round, first overall pick. You look at Detroit last year and them yes. getting fourth overall. But the the thing that you do is, if you handle it correctly, you're not just putting yourself in a position to get that uh well, that's the that only higher... thing
0: you're hoping for, right? You want to you, have you other look things. At,
1: look, at, look at Ottawa, for instance. Ottawa basically, and now granted, that is an extreme situation where it worked out perfectly for them, but they ended up with two picks in the f- top five of the draft. They ended up with A really great system for them and that they're going to be able to build off of for a while because they were able to sell and so that's kind of what you're looking for by rebuilding you're not necessarily doing it just for that high-end pick you're also selling off guys to get prospects to get things like that you look at the kings this draft is gonna or this past season is gonna be huge for them not just because they got quentin byfield out of it that's not the only reason why they also were able to get tyler madden out of uh out of uh, vancouver for tyler to and it's moves like that where you're able to get guys into your system on top of your picks already and that is exactly the thing and that's really the benefit here of what you're trying to do is you're not just setting yourself up to have a good pick in that draft you're setting yourself up to have additional uh draft additional draft capital additional prospects and that's how you build a system like the kings who have were mentioned many times in this article as having a really good system, and it's very true. Their system is good because they've moved guys like Jake Muzzin, they've moved guys like Alex Martinez, they've moved guys like Tyler Toffoli. Yeah. They they've moved these guys out for picks and for prospects, and have built their system up in a and, very very good way.
0: And they've gotten a little lucky as well, getting the second no, overall. No pick. Doubt. Yeah, you know, no that, doubt. No <laughs> doubt. That. But, but that's, but the, that's thing, the thing. though. Is, yeah you you put yourself you put yourself. At, you, you give yourself a chance to be lucky when you're bad.
1: If if they but, wouldn't sorry, go ahead, CJ.
2: So I was gonna say, like that. That's the thing is that if you are bad, if you are taking whatever you want to call it. Yes, you're not necessarily guaranteed that first overall pick, but just like everything really in professional sports, professional sports, almost every aspect of it is literally nothing but a weighted lottery. You don't have complete 100% control over where you're going to end up, but you can do things that will either increase your chances or decrease your chances. So if you tank, if you sell off players, then you have a much greater chance at landing that first overall pick than you do otherwise. And so what, even if you're Detroit and you get do- knocked down to fourth, fourth was the very bare last Lucas, that they could have dropped is to. Looking right? le-
1: Lucas Raymond is looking legit also. Yes.
2: Lucas Raymond is killing it right now. And look, look, if Detroit didn't do that and they won some games and they tried to win out in something like that and they had, say, the fourth best overall odds, then what if they get passed up by three teams? Now they're picking, what, seventh, eighth, something like that? And the difference between the seventh pick and the eighth pick might very get, well be a superstar or not. Like, you don't know. Yeah, All you Jack can Quinn do and Marco Rossi. Is... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All you can do is just try and make it better for yourself. Give yourself the chance. In my view, and I've said this before, there are two different things. There are Stanley Cup contenders and there are playoff contenders. And those are two very different things. I think that the last, like, in 2018, when the Ducks were swept by the Sharks, the Ducks weren't a real Cup contender. They were playoff contenders. They could make the playoffs, but they weren't going to go very far. Then there's Cup contenders. And I would argue the Cup contenders so far right now would be, like, Vegas, Colorado. Um, These just truly top-of-the-table teams who are legit in contention. And, yeah, anything could happen. They can get knocked out in the first round, a la Tampa to Columbus a couple years ago. But they have built themselves up to have a shot at the Cup, not just a shot at the playoffs. And that, to me, right now is the difference between the Ducks' rebuild and the Kings' rebuild. The Ducks' rebuild, they're rebuilding to make it back to the playoffs. The Kings are rebuilding to get a Cup.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, if the issue with getting the – with rebuilding is that you're not guaranteed our first overall pick well signing free agents and trying to make the playoffs you're you're still not guaranteeing yourself anything there either you're not guaranteeing yourself the playoffs you're not guaranteeing yourself a cup so the objection shouldn't be that it's not a guarantee because there's no guarantees like you said in anything so let's
1: retire that yeah okay agreed (laughs) um all right so Moving on uh, real quick. Let, let's go to this now. Let, let's do this piece of it. So Ken Knight, good friend of the pod, sends me an email every once in a while asking some questions. So figured figured uh, let me go ahead. Let me read it uh, from him. This was sent to us uh, after Thanksgiving. So basically he said, hey, Jake, hope you guys have a fabulous Thanksgiving. My belly is full. I'm sure you guys saw the announcement in June about the OC Vibe development coming to the Honda Center grounds in 2024. What does this have to do with the Ducks? Everything. Remember the year Staples Center was delivered and what happened with Lakers? Not an accident that they prepared to deliver a championship caliber team when the Staples Center's complex was delivered, first in the Lakers three-peat. There have been a few things in the uh, press about the Samuel, or that Samuel, or that the Samuelis want the Ducks to be in contention when OC Vibe opens. If I was putting a large part of my capital into development at Honda Center, I would want that too when it was delivered. I fully believe that as Bob Murray's directive and the Samuelis are willing to spend between now and then to make that happen. Four-year deadline. Three seasons between now and then, Shattenkirk and Grant contracts fall into that prep window and give the Ducks flexibility by that deadline. I would postulate postulate with the cap space opening up in 21-22 and beyond the, uh, to a degree – Look for the Ducks to take a swing on a few first-line forwards at this year's trade deadline and beyond. Come on, Mitch Marner! Uh remember the days of Pronger, and Niedermeyer trades and signings? There may might be some exc- uh, excitement to come in COVID flat cap era in Anaheim. Just to connect the, connect the dots, theory that follows the money. Would love to hear your thoughts, Ken. So, well, yeah. What are your guys' thoughts on this?
0: Well, yeah. Clearly, the Samuelis are like <laughs> like CJ was saying they're make they're making more money. They're pumping the money back into it to get more out of their investment and it would be nice to have a team that's going to bring people bring people out increase that gate revenue and so that's probably one of the motivators for the ducks to remain competitive is that there is there's more at stake now because of the developments now i would still argue that that shouldn't override everything else that we know about this about rebuilds but it makes sense. It's understandable why they want to remain competitive.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it
0: definitely does. I think that
2: the, so keep in mind the next, we really need to talk about timing here because OC vibe again is scheduled to open in 2024. That's still a good, you know, that's going to be, what, three, four seasons from now. Um, So you don't necessarily this season want to take a swing on guys at the trade deadline because let's be realistic, the guys who are going to be available at this trade trade deadline are mostly going to be either rentals for the season or maybe they'll have a year after. Um, you really need to time it right. If we are going to see any of these moves to coincide a good Ducks team with the opening of OC vibe, I would expect it to be post-expansion draft at the earliest, Um, especially once we kind of figure out, hey, this is what the team's going to look like. Here's who they're taking. We have a little bit more certainty in the future. And also, I mean, there's a lot of hockey to be played in that time. We have no idea what's going on. And, And I think the point that Jake Felix and I have been making here is that this team, this team can rebuild and they can rebuild fairly quickly if they make the right decisions. This doesn't have to be a four, five, six, seven year drawn out rebuild. There's no reason it has to be. There is a path here to have this rebuild over within two to three seasons. And I think they make the point of that in the athletic article, but we're going to need to start seeing some of those moves and some sort of direction from the franchise in order to make that happen. I completely agree with the question that Look, they want to be competitive come that time, but realistically, it's going to be all about the timing. And I think with the expansion draft coming up and given where the roster currently is, um, I'm not sure now is the right time to start making those moves towards necessarily being better right now. You're going to want to wait a couple more years and pull this rebuild off right.
1: Yeah, I, I think so I, I think that you're you're pretty dead on that. I don't know if you necessarily wanna do it this deadline to go and trade for, for a big piece. I think you should be looking to move out, guys, for futures, this deadline, no doubt. But I think maybe this upcoming summer, maybe you look at taking a shot at Taylor Hall's a UFA again, right? Maybe the ducks look at that. I don't know if I would do that. I see Felix's face and now I'm I feel like he's just gonna judge me for saying that. But um maybe the ducks take a swing on a guy maybe they go after like a mitch marner like he said with the the Leafs having cap uh, a cap situation maybe they'll look at trying to get him for for prospects or picks or or cap relief maybe that's what the leafs are looking for i mean we talked about it with um it being a flat cap it's gonna be really tough for the leafs moving forward they they're they were probably banking on the fact that the cap was gonna go up when they signed all these guys to deals to to make it work maybe you can get nylander out of there so i i think that it's a pretty valid point that it's the Samuelis are going to want to be done with this re I mean they want to be done with this rebuild now let's be real but they're for sure going to be to want to be done with this rebuild by the time OC vibe opens and they're not only going to want to be done with the rebuild they're going to want to going to are going to want to be back in their contending window and I think that is a very valid point from Ken, and something that I think is a very very astute observation with connecting the dots there and I think that maybe that will factor in now whether or not that is something that Bob Murray has the ability to do or whether he's not the GM anymore, maybe someone else is here taking care of that. But I, I think it is something to keep an eye out for. Of Hey, OC vibes coming up. The Ducks are probably going to want to have a very competitive roster by that point in time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would be nice. It would be nice to go to fun, competitive hockey games in a really cool environment. Uh, you know, when the world is back to normal again, that that sounds really amazing right now. So I'm I'm rooting for that to happen for
1: sure. Yeah. Yep. So, I don't know, you Felix, what are your thoughts overall on all this? Oh, I already already stated. Uh, yep, yeah, but I was wanted I just wanted you to put a put a bu- uh, bow on all of it, you know? Okay. But well, okay. I'll I'll, right, I'll, I'll put a... <laughs> it. Fine, fine. 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 I'll I you know? I mean, Try, trying to tea, trying to tee you up to finish a, a a topic off and, you know, you just throw it right back at me. <laughs> now I know how it feels after from our text oh, message please. earlier
2: today. Oh, wow.
1: Oh, don't even go there. Call back. Children, Call back. don't
2: fight. Call don't back. fight.
0: Okay. Well, I yeah. It, like any, the, the goal of a franchise is to try and make money, to try and bring in fans, to try and have a good product. That's what the Samuels are trying to do. And they're they're reinvesting into it, which is awesome because as someone who lives in the area, I want to be able to go to a bar after the game and not have to have a <laughs> steep Uber bill to do it. So yeah, they, you want to have
1: a good product for that. I get it. All right. So final topic for this show is world junior rosters were announced. So we want to briefly kind of mention it. Felix, Felix just loves how much we talk about prospects at this point on the show.
2: (laughs) He's dying right now. You can see it in his eyes.
1: So we, we, we went into depth last episode, but just for, for everyone out there to know kind of where the rosters are at, uh, Canada announced Jamie Drysdale is going to be on the, uh, did make the team. He is pretty much set to be on the first pairing. Uh, with Bowen Byram for the entirety of the tournament and will look to build upon as good uh, World Juniors last season. And the other Ducks forward, so the other Ducks players will be Team USA. Actually, all Ducks players, all Ducks prospects on Team USA made the cut. So you have both Trevor Zegras and Sam Colangelo making the cut, and then you have Henry Thrun and Jackson Lacombe making the cut. Uh, Lacombe and uh, Colangelo may have made it. We won't really know as a result of some players on Team USA testing positive for COVID and thus Uh, not being able to make the roster. And John Van Bieserck actually had come out and said that uh, basically they wanted to have a different roster construction for the tournament, but due to COVID, they weren't able to have the players that they wanted. So Mm -hmm. take that as you will, but Colangelo and Lacombe both made the roster. And so it'll be fun to watch team USA for the ducks. The only other ducks uh, prospect will be on team Sweden, which will be Albin Sonsvik made the roster. And so there will be four or sorry, there will be six ducks prospects in all. Um, at the world Juniors um, and that all starts and gets going on December 25th and so there's gonna be a lot of hockey to talk about a lot of hockey to watch and it's gonna be a lot of fun and so um, really excited for this tournament Felix is just so excited for this tournament
0: I am actually it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good one um, especially for ducks fans and watching team USA which I would imagine that's a the venn diagram of that. Is pretty large American Ducks fans. It's gonna be fun. You're gonna see Trevor Ziegress in a big role. You're gonna see some prospects that maybe you haven't had as much of a chance to see in Thrune, Colangelo, and Lacombe. am I missing someone? I've been I've Mm-mm. been I've been called out all weekend for missing people. So just just making sure I'm I'm uh
1: Thrun, Thrun Colangelo, Lacombe, and Ziegras are on team USA. You are correct.
0: Yeah, I just don't wanna be chastised again. Um so anyway, yeah. So if you're an leave American, Felix alone. If you're an American Ducks fan, which I figure is, I don't know, eighty percent of our listeners at a hey, minimum, then we,
1: we we have we have Aussie checking into our Twitch chat. Oh yeah, from, uh, our good friend from Germany resubbed for two months. By the way, also wanted to give a shout out to Quack City, our good friend Chad, uh, resubbed for twelve months. uh So thanks a bunch. But yeah, so. There you go, German Ducks fan tuning into our Twitch chat lot or Twitch stream. Is live. Germany in the World Junior this year? Yes, I believe so. Okay, yeah. Well, so I, you they might they
2: be, barely held on.
0: You you might be rooting for Germany, I would imagine, but if you have a second team, it would ha- and you're a Ducks fan it would have to be Team USA because of just the amount of Ducks prospects on there. And I'm excited to see it. I I to be honest, the last couple of years maybe even the last three years i've barely watched the world juniors i don't know why it's just one of those things that i watched religiously growing up and as time has gone on i've gotten less i've become less uh just a diehard when it comes to that but now that we've spent so much time on this show especially with the last draft getting into prospects i think now i'm more excited to see it because i actually know who these guys are beforehand and um i think for specifically for team usa it could i mean they could win the whole thing which Pains me to say as a Team Canada supporter, but they have a good team. They're they're doing things well with in
1: Team USA. But as, as Apparation puts it in the Twitch chat, I will watch any hockey at this point. Well, that time. yeah, that's what good I was point. gonna say. It,
0: it, it that's what I was gonna say is that I'm just starved for hockey and competitive hockey. With all due respect to you know the the Czech League and the SHL, it's it's just too much of it's just too much work to have to watch those leagues. And so you know that the time difference and all that, I would love to watch them, but and the KHL, but this is going to be, I mean, it, it's in our time zone, I believe. It's in Edmonton, right? Yeah. Uh, it, that's, so I there will be or there it's, will be it's a like little an hour bit, off.
1: Yeah, there will be a yeah. slight preview on the website or article going on the website listing out the games and the start times and everything like that uh, this week. Jake and so it. I yeah, so a lot credit of the games. Jake. I think the er, what credit to Jake? Yeah. The earliest, I believe, is there's an 11 a.m. start for some of the games, but majority are in the 3 to like 6 range. Yeah. 3 to 6 p.m. range. So we're going to get some
0: good competitive hockey before training camp begins, and then after that, it's going to be right into the regular season. And hockey will be back in our lives, not just in the theoretical sense, talking about trades and cap situations, but actual games with players and dumb penalties and glorious goals and bad calls i'm excited i if you can't tell i we've been waiting a long time for this and it's so close yet it still feels so far away for some reason
2: this is gonna be so great i've I, i was talking with jake about this before we started the the stream that just like having no hockey has been such a downer and and lack of motivation for us and so i think we're just really excited to Get a little bit of that kick as far as uh, the emotions go and and, and want to crank out a bunch more content. Be excited to talk about some new things that are coming out. I know I'm so stoked for Team USA. I It's interesting because I think it's, you know, between Team USA and Team Canada this year. Canada is super stacked. But with, you know, obviously as a Ducks fan, having so many Ducks prospects on Team USA. And the thing for me that I'm actually really excited about is to hopefully see Trevor Zegers actually get utilized properly because he was, what, third, fourth line center or, no, he was on the wing last year, I think. He was uh, at- and What's that?
1: No, yeah, he he was on the wing, and where he and this upcoming, uh, they've they've announced or not announced, but it came out that uh, all camp basically he was skating on a line with Turcotte and Kalieva on the wing. I mean, they're, they're which they're- I
2: love it- that that line was so good last season. They played together for a while and they were so good, Um, but they got such limited minutes and it wasn't until like the elimination games that he finally started getting um, more, him and Kaliev started getting more of the playing time that they deserved. So I'm hoping now that these guys have the potential to be the top line and we can really see, I think what they're capable of because team USA on the offense at least is extremely deep this year. This is probably one of the, the deepest, offensive uh groups that we've seen in team usa in some time
0: well if you were if you were looking for if you were still on the fence about rooting for team usa um well cole caulfield goals elite (laughs) elite goals small goals boy excited for to watch his development that's gonna be fun as well
1: yeah okay um so Anything else for either of you for the show? Well, do we have any questions in the Twitch chat? Any more questions? Um, so, people, in the Twitch chat, throw in some questions if you want. So, let me, let me go through the quick little spiel. So, if you're watching this on any other platform, if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this on any of your recorded platforms. We do a live stream of the show each and every time at twitch.tv slash crash the pawn. We go live every Sunday at 8 p.m. You can uh, mark your calendars for that. We've been pretty much clockwork with that except for a couple weeks here and there uh, throughout this very, 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 very long off season yeah. so if you want to uh, subscribe you can actually support this channel if you have Amazon Prime you get one free Twitch Prime sub each and every time you just have to link your accounts hit that subscribe button you do have to do it every 30 days to help support this channel helps a lot I get you special emotes in the chat special badges next to your name and uh, it's a it's a good time so if you want to join in watch us live interact with us live get your questions answered on this show uh, tune in 8pm Sunday twitch.tv slash crash the pond so can path who has a question for us uh if miller doesn't resign and Dossel becomes the starter in the ahl and just kills it does he get the call to the big leagues i'm gonna add this season well to that question
0: okay i just want to preface that i think miller is coming back but i would say that it's unlikely because i think they want to see him develop in the a in the ahl it would have to take an injury
1: well and and, and here's this on that is that the big thing for Dostal is he's coming over from a different ice, ice surface. He, he, Finland, he, might, he, he
0: might not be. He's probably not a- NHL ready. The AHL is no. going to be an adjustment for him, like you're saying.
1: But, the yeah, it's going to be an adjustment not only because of skill, different things like that, but size of ice is very different. You're going from the the Finnish ice, which is in between Olympic size and NHL size ice, and so the angles are different. There's a lot of things that have changed, and so the downside, if you bring him up, is he's actually not going to play he's going to sit on the bench for most games. And so there's really not a big benefit for him being called up into the NHL. It's much better for him to be thrown into the AHL. I
0: I could see him getting maybe one or two games this season, just if there's an injury, which is possible because of this crazy schedule that we're going to get. But I, I wouldn't bet on him getting any kind of significant time at the NHL level this season.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I agree. um, So, uh, there was a question uh, earlier on in the show that I cannot get to now, but it was basically wanting to know our thoughts on the, the thoughts of expanded rosters, extended rosters that are kind of going on there. There's conversation that the roster size may expand to 28 guys. Who knows what that will do to cast space. If teams can carry 28 and it still counts against the cap, if you're able to have uh, guys over 23 uh, over your 23rd man, not count against the cap, but, what do you think about that there could be expanded rosters for this upcoming year? I don't have any thoughts I, I, on it.
2: I kind of, I, I like that idea uh, just especially with the, the way that they're going to do this without any actual bubbles. I'm not missing that. They're not planning on individual regional bubbles. No, We're planning no, on travel, no right? bubbles. Yeah. Okay. No so bubbles. if there's no bubbles, then I feel like given the other, every other sport, that hasn't had the bubble so MLB NFL, I think it's almost guaranteed that you are going to have some players, um, test positive for COVID or have to drop out and not be there. So I actually do like the idea of carrying an extended roster. I don't necess- I don't think you sh- they should count that against the cap because I do think that is unfair for certain teams. Um, so th- that being said, I I I like that idea a lot. I just I would hope that they are um, given time to practice, that they're given some action, whether that's extra training, um, scrimmages, things like that. Um, As long as they aren't just kind of traveling with the team and sitting on a plane and going from hotel to hotel, I'm totally fine, and I would actually encourage an extended roster just to make sure that everybody is able to roster full teams.
1: Well, let, let me throw this out there, because this is one thing I would ask about the cap hit situation is, how do you justify which players count against the cap and which guys don't? Because think about this. If a guy's on injured reserve, he counts against the cap. He, he You don't get any cap relief for him being on injured reserve if it's short term. And so how do you necessarily pick and choose? Do you have an exception that then you can throw a guy that's injured on it? Or where, where's where's the line? What's the difference between COVID and injury? And so there's a lot of discussion that they're going to have to have with how they're going to do it. And I don't necessarily know if you can make those guys not count against the cap. I mean, maybe you have it be a specific taxi squad and they don't count against the cap, but. It's going to be tough to really justify how you're going to do it if it's going to be an expanded roster straight up and not have it count against the cap because the way the cap is currently set up with injured reserve. So there's a lot of questions with that, and that's definitely what they're discussing right now. And that's, I think, why we haven't seen an announcement because it's been all but report or been reported by a lot of different people that they've agreed to how the financials are going to work. They don't agree, they don't love how they're going to work, but they've moved past that part of the discussion yeah. to now how are they actually going to make the season work? Yeah, and so that that is what they're figuring out now, and these are the conversations they're all having. Having you, you
2: hear that MLB? That's how you actually do negotiations.
1: <laughs> well, yes this this NHL one was not great. This L- just L- showed this real. just shows
0: it was a how hell of bad. lot better than MLB was. <laughs> yeah this this just shows how poorly Major League Baseball does everything really did we ever find out yep. about the fallout from the uh is it justin turner is that his name the, the oh, doc- there,
1: there oh was yeah, no, yeah.
2: there was no fallout for it
0: well yeah. th- that we know of in terms of any positive covid no they, they announced nice.
2: that there would be no uh supplemental discipline
0: okay but we never found out if anyone got sick from that or anything
2: um no the uh there was a staff member i think who tested positive but they think that they had tested positive separately and not necessarily from Turner, all the uh, players and everybody on the field for the post-game celebration tested negative.
0: Wow. That I feel yeah. safer for some reason now. <laughs> <laughs> that Pandemic actually makes me solved. feel We're safer. Good. We can Pandemic solved. Lives. Pandemic solved. can, <laughs> can, can run right. around. Um, but yeah. So did we have another question?
1: Yeah. Getting back to goalies. Fatger asks us: is solar's good slash decent enough to be a backup for this season.
0: So, Anthony Stolarz has had good spot duty in the past. It's just we don't – we just don't know if he's capable of handling yeah. that larger workload because he's never done it. He has some of the ability, you know, just in terms of as a goalie in a vacuum, but it's a completely different game when you are when you have to do it more frequently. And it's a different approach. It's a different preparation. And so that is, again, what leads me to believe, especially – if the schedule is as compressed as it could be, it just doesn't make sense for the Ducks to have him as their backup. And that's not to take anything away from what he could potentially do. I just think of it from a a team-building perspective. If you intend to make the playoffs and you know that you're going to have a tight schedule, why would it make sense to have a completely unproven or at least relatively unproven backup? Uh, when, who you're going to need to come through for you. So that's that's just what leads me to think that the Ducks are going to bring back Miller somehow because they need someone more proven at that position.
2: And here's the other thing that, uh, you know, the game is changing when it comes to playing your goaltenders where goalies used to be regularly play, you know, 70 plus games a year. Nowadays, the trend now is for kind of the max amount of games you want a goalie to play to be between the 60 and 65 range, any more than that, and you start really getting concerned with injury. And obviously we've seen that with Gibson in the past. Now, of course, this is going to be a shorter season, so that won't hold as much water. But I think that some of that thinking would still stand that I'm not necessarily sure if the Ducks are, and I know I wouldn't necessarily be comfortable with Stellar's taking up you know like having 20 to 30% of the starts of a regular season to spell John Gibson, Ryan Miller even in his age I would have much more trust to do that. So I would agree with Felix that I think at this point it's just a matter of time before they sign Miller because while Stolarz would be great in spot duty, I I don't necessarily have enough trust in him to be able to handle a full-time backup role at this point.
0: Yeah, well the thing is if they were if the Ducks were just kind of in a rebuilding gap gap year type season then yeah just have stole as a backup see what you have in them and, and give them that opportunity but if you're trying to actively make the playoffs then you want some a, a bit more of a proven commodity in that spot and jake do the ducks have to go into their ltir to sign miller yes they're <laughs> one they're they're 100 going to have to go into ltir that's, that's what you I mean, that's th- what you love to hear
1: they're currently over the cap. Although (laughs) everything you read from Eric Stevens, when he, he mentions it, he, he puts this out there that internally, the ducks are saying they are not over the cap. They actually have a little bit to work with, but that, that amount to work with is not going to get you a Ryan Miller.
0: Our math, our math is more more correct than your math. (laughs) So yeah.
2: And so Ryan Miller is going to cost you probably what 1 million I'm guessing for the season.
1: Oh yeah. Well, let, let me see a, the current roster. The current roster is set up, and the Ducks have 14 forwards, seven defensemen, and one goalie signed. And so that that amount currently of 82.4 is without any sort of backup goalie I, on the roster. I just don't know how so you. They're can, gonna have to have someone put up. I just there. don't
0: know how you can both say that you want to make the playoffs and have Anthony Stolarz as your backup. It just yeah. those two things don't go yeah. together
1: and let me see here is there any sort of wiggle room that they have no i mean it's actually going to get worse once andrea Agazino is no longer currently listed on the ducks roster because he's currently there he's making 700k if he's sent down and let's just say for instance uh trevor zegras comes up that gains 200k uh, against the cap for the ducks because uh trevor zegras will make 925 or against the cap as compared to 700,000 for Agazino. so there, there's there's not exactly a penny pinching way i mean the only way you can maybe do it is by send guys down um maybe what the ducks are considering is maybe they'll instead of going 14 forwards they go 13 forwards and that's how where their internal math is is coming from with all of this um so yeah yeah it, it's also a great they're, alternative they're, 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 yeah it when now baby it's not a great alternative. Win now it's not a great forwards. alternative hl backup if, if in order if in order to make yourself cap compliant is to not have a full roster, especially when we're just having the conversation about expanded rosters. So, um, weird situation for this Ducks team. They're gonna have to go into LTIR. I don't know. I mean, you now granted, there is the the conversation out there that Ryan Kessler, majority of his contract, is covered by insurance. So they're not actually paying a lot of all of that six point eight seven five and they're actually not paying a lot of it. Um but, so but wouldn't that just be it, how would that wouldn't affect his cap hit though, would it? No, but if we're talking about, they can put it on an LTIR and they can get cap relief from it, so it's not the end of the world for them. Right? It's not. We've talked about it. It's not great. the The main issue is that if they were spending this much, would they want to spend that much on a team that's not great? I think at real money, the six point eight seven five, is not actually six point eight seven five. And I think that's an important thing to make note
0: of. Yeah, it is important, but I just still have a hard time getting fully on board with the we want to win now when we have our own math just to barely justify that we're cap compliant while also having a roster. That's not really totally I mean, optimal to win. Now. That has to be why Ryan,
1: that has to be why Ryan Miller's not signed.
0: Oh yeah. Well, that's what Eric Stevens has been postulating now for a couple of weeks or probably more than that. And I think it makes sense. Um, because how else would you do it? I guess is the question. Yeah. So <laughs> he's coming back. I, I don't know. Maybe I just I'm reading too much into his Instagram, which is just goalie gear and training. You know, he
1: doesn't strike me as a retired guy from all of that. Fair enough. <laughs> um. All right. So I think that's probably going to do it for the night. So we actually got a new Apple podcast review. So one way that you can support this show is through Apple podcast. Felix, we'll get into the other ways afterwards. But if you want to go ahead and leave us a five star review there, uh, it really helps out this show significantly. It's something that's completely free to you. Uh, all it takes is your time, and if you want to hit that five stars, it helps us out significantly with the Apple algorithm, get us up a little bit higher on their algorithm. So, if you want to go ahead and do that and leave a review, we will read it on the show. So, we got this one uh back on December second from Hanfet twenty two said, "New Ducks fan, five star." Han as a new Ducks fan. Han 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 Han. Han. Oh, yep, yep. Now I see it. Come on, Hanfet. Like, uh yeah, Hansel. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. Come on now. New Ducks fan, five stars. As a new Ducks, new fan to the Ducks, I'm enjoying the in-depth information and banter between these two. Really looking forward to my first season with the Ducks and Felix slash slash Jake. So thank thank you you so much. I'm also looking forward to being able to talk about Ducks games again. Uh, If I might say that, it's been a long time. So (laughs) I'm hoping, I'm looking forward to you enjoying it. I'm looking forward to myself enjoying it also. Yeah, it's... It's going to be nice to have
0: something new to talk about. So, yes. looking for, Also looking forward to seeing the reverse retro jerseys on the ice. Anyway, so thank you so much for that, HanFet22. And once again, uh, just as a reminder, go to the Apple Podcast app, search Crash the Pond, and uh, you can either just leave us the five-star rating or go one step further and leave that review. It goes a very long way. If you're not on Apple Podcasts, we're um, pretty much everywhere where you can get your podcasts, I think. Spotify... We're on YouTube. Um, I'll get into that in a second here. But another way that you can really support the show that does go a long way, uh, we are on Patreon. So patreon.com slash crash the pond. We have two tiers. So for a dollar a month, uh, you get access to our patrons only discord chat, which is a lot of fun um, in that chat. Once the season does begin, what we did in the past and what we're going to do again is we're going to have in-game live chat. So we're just going to be Going back and forth, talking about the game, reacting. We also get in there when there's big breaking news. So, for example, when there was free agency in the draft, we were in there. The free agency in particular got really wild because of what the Ducks did. <laughs> you, you, I mean, I wish we could have a recording of that chat when Derek Grant got signed again. That that reaction was an all-timer. So that's for a dollar a month. <laughs> very,
1: I'm very happy we didn't do a live stream of free agency day.
0: Oh, it would have been so much fun. It would have been glorious. Just to see your reaction.
2: You and I have very different definitions of the word "fun." I
0: I would have just been <laughs> I would have just been laughing hysterically while while Jake would just, would just start drinking his
1: sorrows away. Um, I would have gone I would have gone for the bottle.
0: Oh, that's so good. Oh, there's still time. You can still do that now. Um, <laughs> but but um, you don't worry. You'll, you'll have plenty of opportunities when Derek Grant is playing meaningful minutes under Dallas Higgins. Uh, um, <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, that, so that's for a dollar a month. Real, really, what it comes down to is for a dollar a month, you get to hang out with other diehard Ducks fans and join our little community, which, as we said, is a lot of fun. Now, for $5 a month, you get access both to that chat And you also get access to two bonus episodes a month. So on these episodes through the chat, you can actually submit topic suggestions. And we go in depth into different topics. Sometimes league-wide, we'll do league-wide rankings, so positional rankings, team rankings, coach rankings. We'll do more in depth Ducks topics. So we did, um, didn't we do a a bracket for former Ducks coaches? Who's the best Ducks coach of all time? So we kind of go more in depth. We also just go more off the board there. We're not as tied to the the news of the day or news of the week as we are on the regular show, and it's a lot. It, there's a lot more banter on there. So if you enjoy the kind of fun, lighter side of this show, well, on those bonus episodes, we'll talk about. We may talk about Star Wars. We may talk about food one. rankings. Yeah, there's so th- th- there's going to be a lot to talk about with uh, I, the Mandalorian. I, I'm, throw, I, I,
1: I'm putting this out there. It's going to be three man one on our next one. We're going to be recording it after. The Mandalorian season finale. I thought
0: there was, and we're. Oh, was was fifteen not the finale?
1: No, it was not. Oh, that is
0: that is that is why this has been delayed, Felix, till next week. I for some reason thought that was the last one, which I'm glad it wasn't no. because uh, fifteen. Thumbs, thumbs, middle.
1: What? <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs> what is wrong with you? What <laughs> just is just with wanted you? to see your reaction to that. Uh, no, we're not not going to get into any spoilers right now. But it will be a full spoiler patreon yeah. episode going through the entire season make, of the mandalorian make sure you've watched
0: it, all of it beforehand this
1: this this will be the final patreon episode before hockey gets back so we're gonna get real weird with it oh that's right oh man okay i just got Let's fired up it. um
0: okay so that's for five dollars a month and that's at patreon.com slash crash the pond now if you are someone who likes to listen slash watch to podcasts or watch podcasts on YouTube. Well, we are on YouTube as well. YouTube.com slash crash the pond videos go up on Sunday nights, late Sunday night. And um, make sure that you subscribe to us there. Make sure that you turn on your notifications so that you know that you get notified immediately as soon as the show goes up. The great thing about the YouTube channel, besides getting to see our made for radio faces is that you also get to see. You also get to interact with Jake in the comments. So if you leave a comment, Jake will get a notification on his phone, and he, hi guys, and I see you. And he will reply immediately. We've gotten some pretty good banter in there. I should probably jump. I should probably jump in at some point. The only issue is my YouTube account was created in like 2006 and is a really embarrassing name so i'm i I
1: know you know you can change your name right
0: i really don't want to though there's there's a posterity element that i kind of want i'm kind of latching on he wants to
2: remain perpetually embarrassed
1: you know you could create a new account right i
0: want to say it but then people are going to look it up at least one person will look it up and they'll they will see my embarrassing embarrassing youtube videos that
1: i uploaded when i was like uh Okay. okay. Now, now, now you have to spill it. You can't give you're, us that tease. You're I,
2: selling this channel so hard right now, Felix.
0: I was. A, I, I. I. used to. I used to do street hockey videos, thinking that they were just the best thing ever. But they were just uh, iMovie on like the Macintosh in 2006, 2005. So. So. What is the name, of your, is the name of, of your account? What is the name screen name? <laughs> okay. I guess. I guess I'll just. I guess I'll just do it because you can't
1: you can't give us that tease and then not put it well, out. Well, if there.
0: you if you've made it this far into the show, I'm assuming that you're you know you're you're more of a diehard and you're going to approach us from a good faith perspective. <laughs> <laughs> and not you. So habs habs, habs, all yourself, way, have habs all the way habs all the way ninety two is the account name. So there you go. I put it out there. Search it at your own. That's risk. not
2: nearly as embarrassing as I thought it was
0: going to be. It's just. It's just exactly me at that age. I don't know how else to put it. That's true. <laughs> it still is me now, kind of. Um, but yeah, so YouTube.com. Wait, s- say say it, it again. Say it again, please. No, that I said it once. Ha- <laughs> CJ, what was it?
2: I think it was what, Habs uh Habsfan ninety two or Habs are great ninety two, something like that.
0: Well, you're gonna have to if you didn't catch it the first time, I, I can't I can't
1: help you beyond that. HabsFan ninety three? Nope. Oh, why would why okay, would it, it even be ninety three?
2: Tony just dropped it in wait, the chat. Wait,
1: street. Wait, that that's street hawk. Oh, Habs all the way, ninety two. There you go. Oh, there let's l- my vlog. Let's see if I can play one oh, of these. Oh, come on. Just the audio. Oh, wow. Do, do I play? I'm really. Do I play one of I these? I really. Just <laughs> the the uh, the audio. Please. The Nikki B. Please don't. Oh yeah. That <laughs> my was my
2: goalie skills. Goal monster. <laughs> oh, this is amazing.
1: Hey, I I said it was embarrassing. Here here the audio from it's playing right now i'm uh, the the i can't believe I g- obs is not set up right now to have a screen i with can't believe people, i but... gave
0: this away i'm so mad at myself wow
1: there are a lot there are way more videos on here than i expected yeah there's a lot <laughs> Detroit city <laughs> okay we need yes. <laughs> we need to end this <laughs> this is gonna get bad All right,
2: let, let, let's end this felix has suffered enough tonight felix
1: i would like to let you know that Cra- the crash the pond account has officially subscribed and wow, has I, notification <laughs> bells turned on i have 30 i have
0: 36 subscribers that's actually more than i thought i still had so
1: it's gonna go up significantly now everyone go subscribe to felix's channel oh my god yes.
0: Looking at this is just brutal. Okay, i need I need to take a couple. I need to take a couple of NH- these down before people some get some highlights to it. from NHLO six. One of them. Oh, so one of them is me. I recorded a fr- a friend in college freshman year getting a haircut, and it and it still gets comments to this day. Someone's like, "Oh, he looks so much better now with that haircut." Go figure. Uh. YouTube algorithm. <laughs> That's
2: kind of wholesome. That's kind of uh, wholesome. There's,
0: there's a couple on there that are not wholesome that I need to remove quickly. But anyway, <laughs> I'll get to that. All right, everybody. Um, how else can you support the show? Oh, yeah, check us out on social media. So CJ is on there, at CJ Woodling. Jake is on there, at ReindeerGames91. I'm on there, at Felix underscore Sicard. CrashThePond.com, at CrashThePond on Twitter. Search CrashThePond on Facebook. Yes, we are finally on Facebook. And with all of that being said, with all of these, all of these claims.
1: Thatcheralt that Alt said, by the way, that you had 30 subs five minutes ago. Oh, so. no. It just went to 37. <laughs> all right. We need to get out of here. All right, everybody.
0: Yes. Th- thanks for listening. Have a great week. And we will talk to you at the next show. Uh,
1: bye. <laughs>